the name of this, the title of this uh, afternoon Dharma talk here in Traverse City is uh, just the other way around from this morning. It's a reception production. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about reception. The production, uh, quickly though, uh, as a review, is just always doing something, putting out things, thinking about things, doing pushing, pulling, manipulating, having ideas and other ideas, and evaluating, coming and going, coming and going. That's relentless. And it will give you the impression you're getting somewhere, because that's the very nature of the thought process, is that it's like you, know, you don't really realize you're going in circles. It looks like a straight line. It looks like you're doing something. And... Uh, Probably not, other than covering things up. So reception is, uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to say about this, but basically the basic part of it is through the sitting practice of meditation by sitting down, holding still, taking up a physical posture. This is, you ha actually have some say so about this. I can put my hand here. I can move it this way. I can put it down. Physical areas very, gives the illusion of control. <coughs> Just because we can do this, or this, we can do this, or we can do this, uh, doesn't mean much. It means something, but it, but when we think of all the things that are totally out of our purview, out of our say-so, we, we have no say-so about it. If we did, if we had a say-so, we'd just be happy. We wouldn't even be here. We'd be somewhere, probably not here, being happy. There are people who are able to crank that up quite a bit, that happiness. And... Uh, um, can do whatever they want. There's a lot of people that can't do that. So, um, but we find what we can control and bring it to some kind of stillness. So that's what you're doing. It's what meditation is. You just bring it down to stillness rather than have a technique to going even further to manipulate it, which is what some meditation techniques are about. Don't misunderstand. I say this over and over again because I know it may sound like I'm a, a going against what other meditation teachers say. Uh, I'm not. You should do, if this makes some sense, do it. If it doesn't go, find some other teacher. Find some other way of doing it. This may make sense to you. It may not. Uh, I, I'm not teaching out of a book. I'm not even teaching out of what I was taught exactly. I'm teaching out of what I see. But what, I, what I'm seeing is that's where this is coming from. Um, it's not particularly original. It basically lines up with what the Buddha said. Everything is dependently arisen. I see that. And at the same time, I, as I see it, I don't see it. So both. Both at the same time. I don't know how else to say it. It sounds kind of, may sound kind of odd. It doesn't look odd. It just looks like this. So sit down, hold still. Watch through all the six sense fields, including the mind. Just allow whatever comes to come, whatever goes to go. No, and make no comment if you can. And that may, uh, if you if you attempt to do that, your mind may totally flood with all kinds of ideas, concepts, uh, worries, concerns. It may get it may get worse. It may get so that you you actually feel like I think as I think I said earlier, you might feel like you're getting worse. Probably not. You're just starting to see what you've been covering up. So. Um, Receive. Give everything your attention and whatever makes any kind of a movement or shows up as something else or something, some contrast, just receive that and make no addition to it. But if you do spontaneously make an addition to it, like I don't like that or whatever, then don't add to that. So don't laminate it up so you get so far away from the original situation that, you know, you need uh, brain surgery.
that that won't work either, probably. So uh, one of the things that I sometimes mention is a alternating sense awareness practice, uh, going from one sense sense of touch to sense of seeing, sense of hearing, and just slowly moving around with those. At the same time, you're not particularly fighting with your mind. Um, that allows, because those senses are, uh, in terms of the consciousness itself or the objects that are coming in, the sounds, the sights, the feelings, they're pretty much in the present moment, what we would refer to as the present moment. They aren't things coming out of some other uh, storage area, like the, the Alia Vijnana, the storehouse consciousness. So if you include those, you're sitting and just include those, and if you deliberately rotate between them, it seems to be a little easier to bring those and mix those in with uh, the thinking process. It's not about stopping thinking. Some teachers uh, disagree with that and will give you techniques to stop your thoughts, to slow them down, or to somehow replace them with what? Awareness of the body, awareness of the breath, or awareness, awareness, awareness. Satipatthana is a traditional word. You're not wrong. Do that. Do that now. Do it. Do it tomorrow. Do it next week. Do it for three weeks. Um, look at, listen to what I say and then do something else. It's not wrong. So right and wrong is, uh, is extra stuff that just clouds everything. I don't know what you need to do for sure. I just need to know that if I'm invited to come here and I sit down, that I need to tell you this. And then what you do with it, that's your business. I don't do any follow-up. So uh, a metaphor that sometimes is helpful is to, to think that your, your thinking process is kind of the king, you know, and everything else is secondary. How this feels, how this looks, how this smells, how this tastes is kind of the secondary sense, second-class citizens. But you could also look at those as part of your whole family, of the whole sensorium is kind of like a family. Don't, don't disregard what's coming through the, the eye consciousness. Don't disregard what's coming through how this feels. Don't disregard, don't shut anything out. Everybody, uh, to use a strong metaphor, everybody should be, be come to the, every, everyone should come to the table. Everyone should have a seat at the table. That doesn't mean you have to constantly go to the sense of smell and <laughs> like that. But you may have to, you may have to, you know, put a put an M and M in your mouth or something. If you feel like you're losing track of that, I mean, we probably wouldn't want to do that all the time. Wouldn't be good for your blood sugar. <laughs> but a little bit, of, a little bit of that, a little bit of kind of personalize that a little bit. You could, you could uh, sit down and you could take a piece of a, a, a colored paper or something and put it in front of you. Look at the color red. Because there's a, looking at the color red is just it's a one-shot deal. You look at it, and there's not much you can think about it. The thought patterns won't come up other than just maybe the name. Or something else might come up, if you're, especially if you're tuned into that kind of thing. You say, that red has quite a bit of blue in it. It's approaching purple or something. Or that has a lot of yellow in it, so it's going more towards orange. So you might, you might be doing that a little bit. That's not a problem. So... All of the senses bring, when you sit down to practice, uh, bring all the senses in. You can even do that in post-meditation or when you're up off the cushion in your everyday uh, running around, your job, your relationships, your family, and so on, uh, walking up in the woods or a park or something. And you can also just, don't hold on to it, just flash on it, just color, uh, just green. I mean, the word green may come up, but you can actually look at something without naming it. It is possible to look and hear taste, smell, touch, without knowing what it is. 
And that isn't by shutting that down. It's just by seeing it so clearly that the, that the, the presence of that is so intense that you don't need a name for it. You don't need to back away from the color green by calling it green. No comment. Because no, no comment. Having a comment is what? Production. Actually, something is arising, you're receiving, and then you produce something on top of it. And it's like it doesn't have enough validity by itself. We need that. We need to know what we need to understand. We need, we need, we need, we need. This is all uh, related to the self-centeredness that's looking for some kind of, of uh, support or some kind of reassurance. If the ego were real, it wouldn't need any reassurance. Wouldn't need to be. You wouldn't, somebody could come up and just totally insult you, and you would just go. <laughs> some people are like some people are intensely. Um, what do they call that? Somebody that's intensely self-centered, arrogant. Pretty hard to insult somebody who's arrogant. It's also pretty hard to insult somebody who has who, who has no center, has no fringe, has no location. There might be a body there. There might be a, vo a voice coming forth. There might be hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. All those things might be happening. The six sense fields of form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness of the five skandhas uh, are there, but they're not hooked together to form someone who has to run away, someone who has to run toward someone who needs some kind of help or defense. This doesn't mean there aren't incredible incredibly intense emotions coming out of beginningless space and time into the present moment, manifesting as thought patterns, emotions, all kinds of qualities that the ego mind wants to know what's, what's happening. What does that mean? Why am I feeling this way? Why, 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 why? Because, 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 because. It's, it's, a, it's a trap. It's a trap from the point of view of wisdom. It's a, it's a trap uh, from the point of view of uh, uh, ego or self-centeredness. It's uh, attempting to find a solution to how we feel, attempting to find reasons why we feel this way. It doesn't matter why. We, we, already, already, we already know the Buddha told us uh, 2,500 years ago, life is suffering. He probably didn't say it in his tone of voice. Life is suffering, and the reason you're suffering is you don't like it. <laughs> you want something else. We want, we want something else. And we, we, instead of looking at the suffering, we have nerve endings and, and all of the sense fields, including the mind, that are very sensitive. The mind may be the most sensitive nerve ending because you can have intense, emotional, painful experiences without any of the other five senses being uh, affected at all. And sometimes we would prefer that. You know, let me put a hand, my hand on a hot stove and burn myself rather than feel the emotions I'm feeling. You all know what I'm talking about. Many years ago, I took care of uh, monkeys, baboons. And baboons are, all monkeys are kind of, uh, kind of semi-human. Uh, but the interesting thing about, about, I noticed about monkeys taking care of a lot of monkeys is if they got really upset, sometimes they would bite themselves. It's like they, it's like they were so afraid uh, are upset that they wanted to feel something, and that this would. It, this is just my speculation, but it's like they wanted to transfer their fear over to some kind of physical thing, so they would give them the illusion of some kind of control over it. Just my idea of what what it seemed to look like at the time. So sometimes we'll trade off, and, and rather than feel this, we'll trade off for something else. We people do that with drugs. I don't want to feel this way, so I'm going to 
do this, or I don't want to feel this way, so I'm, I'm going to use uh, uh, opioids or whatever. And uh, right and wrong is extra. So once we do whatever we do to go in and mix it up, make it even more confusing as we mix it up with a bunch of ideas about correct and incorrect and right and wrong. That's uh, praise and blame and all of that. It just makes it more confusing. So the reception part is something that you can do on the cushion, sit down, receive. And, and if you can, don't produce anything. But if you do produce something, then just, if that's a production, then just receive that that's what you're doing. It's not like I need to stop doing that. Uh, there, there's an area there. It's an, it seems like a, a very subtle area there where the awareness uh, just observes and where sometimes because of the causes and con causes and conditions that, that come up as a self or as a, a concerned uh, um, aspect of consciousness, a seventh consciousness, which is paranoid, that may come up and, and object to that. That's probably going to happen, and just, just allow that to do that. And someone else can trigger that. You can be doing fairly well, and someone, because of their activity, either an intimate friend or a relationship or, or the person behind the counter, can actually, by their function, can trigger things that in you have not, if, you've, if you understand it, if you've seen it deeply, then probably it's going to take quite a bit to trigger you. But if you haven't seen it, then it's under the old bushel basket again, and somebody comes in and that because of them, because of the frequency, because of the untraceable qualities that appear as dependent origination and as appear as cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Those things, all 15 billion of them get together and produce this, how you feel in any given moment. I'm to blame how they, um, for how they feel. You might, what you're acting, what you're doing may have triggered that, but if you line 15 people up and you act a certain way, one or two will get triggered and the, the other the other one will want it all. I mean, even if you have a, even if they're your brother, sister, uh, neighbor, or even uh, somebody, that, someone that you're extremely intimate with. So that whole area that, that happens like that, where there's a tendency to want to blame them or me or somebody or something, it's because of this. And... The interesting thing about it, which I think I said earlier, <clears throat> is even if it's true that someone did offend you or insult you, and even though the relative part of it is true, if you the the first phase of that is just they did this, I feel this way. But the other phases that you're totally ignoring is all the fifteen hundred and sixty things that happened to them before they even got to the point where they're doing this. And all of the things that brought you into this space to even have this occur in the first place. So there's these two things touching, but there's countless numbers of things that led up to that. It's called dependent origination. If you're buying into time and space, it'll be hard to see that. But if you see there is no time and no space that has any kind of uh, uh, substance to it other than what we impute. And we, you know, watching the sun go up and down is very convincing. It means nothing. It's still, it's still just... Night and day are two names for the same thing. So obvious. <laughs> but we tend to, you know, schedule our lives to fit that. We're, you know, we're awake in the daytime unless, uh, unless it's Unio. And then she's awake at night, <laughs> all night, probably sewing or cooking or pacing the floor. <clears throat> so if the, if the production 
producing something, doing something, acting on something, pushing on something, pulling on something, or generating some kind of activity, whether it's mental or physical or whatever, however it may be, if that can come out of the awareness that if you've been training the awareness, so you're here, you're on receive, you're on, you're on uh, giving everything your attention without adding anything to it. If that's been happening a lot, you'll find that what comes up, you won't get a credential. You won't, you won't necessarily say to others or even to yourself, I'm so much more aware. You might not say that at all. You might say, I don't feel near as good before as I did before I started meditating. I feel like crap all the time. And tell me that and I'll, I'll, I'll light right up. <laughs> not because I want you to suffer, because I know that uh, I know what I've had to go through. And um, I sometimes say, how do you think I feel? So don't, 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 don't do anything with what is occurring uh, other than what you absolutely have to do. Hold off, call patience. Wait, watch what it does. And it may move around. You may notice that it goes away and then it comes back. And this time when it comes back, it's turned another direction. So it's obvious what you need to do. It's not even a, you don't even decide. You just notice it's time to push on that. You won't, have, you won't even have that word, it's time to push on that. You'll just do it. Ego doesn't like that kind of spontaneous action because it feels like lack of control. And what is it? Um, it's actually, uh, it's not lack of control. It's lack of the self-centered, uh, myopic, uh, me, me, me control. And it's about uh, the control that has another word called dependent origination. Pratitya Samadpada, the very world, you're actually in harmony with the entire world. And so your actions are coming out of everything untraceable, at least to this limited kind of consciousness that we're born with that looks out of eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind. Questions are good if you have them. You said, come and tell me that you're feeling worse and you'll light up. Mm-hmm. But in the Buddhist teachings, it says... You know, if we follow the path, if we follow the path, then it will help to ease suffering. So sales pitch. Hmm. When I say that, we've got to we've got to get people to do this somehow. But they don't really say what it's going to be like for you. You have to be inspired by it. This is why the Bodhisattva path is there. The the first turning or, or uh, provisional teachings take us so far. It's a much bigger picture than that. And, but that's something that starts to show up at the same time. One is working on oneself. One realizes that uh, with the help of the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, with the help of the Three Jewels, you realize that, oh, this is a bigger, this is a bigger project than I thought it was going to be. So you, the whole idea of, well, yeah, I, I I'm, um, meditate, so I feel much better now. That's, you won't hear me guarantee anything. Meditate, and you'll feel better. I won't say that. And I, this isn't to take anything away. I, I keep saying this all the time because I, I don't want people to necessarily misunderstand and think that I'm against people who teach uh, um, uh, John Kabat-Zinn or anybody who's teaching mindfulness or Theravadan teachings. Please go ahead and do that. If you want to do that, do that. It's not, there's nothing incorrect about it. Uh, it's just that the way that that is functioning is a little bit different than what I'm saying. What I'm saying is let's do it right now. I mean, it, 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 and then if you do it that way, then it'll have a gradual quality to it. That'll be completely what you could you say uh, customized to your particular karma. That way, I'll help you slow down if you need to slow down. If you need to go back, if you need to follow your breath, if you need to close your eyes and count one to ten, I'll help you do that because I'll be able to um, 
not because I'm so bright, it's because I uh, am here. So I'll help you slow down or speed up or something based on how I see you struggling or not struggling with it. And so, um, and, I, and I don't think about it, I just see it or understand it. So, Vipassana is a totally credible, authentic, powerful, traditional teaching. And there are probably hundreds of thousands of people who practice that. And they should. They should go ahead and do that. And uh, then when they've done about 20 years of that, come and see me. When we say that uh, we're meditating and we start to feel worse and come tell you that and you light up, it seems like... It's meant to be humorous. I know. I mean, that's being... Maybe not always, but um, I'm just saying I that always feel worse. when somebody's having difficulty, I mean, not maybe not all the time, but sometimes I can see that somebody's starting to look at the difficulty they've been avoiding and that it's surfacing in other ways. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead. That was going to be my question. It seems like you have, there's an inspiration for you to genuinely tell what, what is it that makes you light up about when someone feels worse? Just that. If I can see that they've been shutting that out, not reading minds. I don't need to read a mind. There's a, this is mind. So it's not like I'm in your personal affairs. It's just that, that if you don't, if, you, if you're not thinking about something else, then you're going to see this. And if you talk to somebody and you see that they're having uh, some difficulty with something, uh, I see I meet people all the time that are having extreme difficulty that act like they're not having it. I, I, put on some kind of an act because they really don't want to look at that and they would rather be have me approve of how good they're doing and I may do that I might say yeah keep on going sounds good I'm glad you're having those great experiences of being one with everything keep going so when I say I would light up of course I'm not going to light up but I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to it gives me the opportunity to encourage someone uh, to to go go deeper into that. You're starting to see the opening. You're starting to see the passageway. You're starting to see the the, the dharma gate. You're starting to see your difficulty as a dharma gate rather than as a difficulty that you need to get rid of or blame somebody for, back up or run away or drug yourself or otherwise find some Venetian blinds so you don't have to look at that anymore <clears throat> because you will eventually look at it. You're going to have to look at who you are at some point. And I think uh, quite often to what happens is people avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And then it comes time time for the for the elements to go back into the earth, back into the water, back into the fire, back into the air. And that that's a totally natural thing. It's just totally natural, but human beings just are freaked out about it. They don't want to die. And I'm not saying you should want to die, but the position we take on death is, is uh, insane. It's, it's just crazy. See what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like so, we're so much ignoring that, that when it does finally come for, for us or for our friends or mom and dad or anyone, it's just, not that we wouldn't be sad, but to be so upset with it because it should not have happened. Laura. We talk about you. Uh, we're talking about ending origination and all the many causes and conditions that got us to this point. So, 
Uh, how about, is there any control uh, that we have individually to ensure that, or not ensure, but influence the causes and conditions moving forward? Or is my little decision to sit on the cushion or not sit on the cushion, is that also causes and conditions where I don't have any control? Yeah. So the illusion of control is, uh, that's pretty, we really don't have any. We have some. But the, the, the causes and conditions that brought us in here should be looked at before we start to venture out into the, the you know, the open world. Uh, I sometimes say, look at the mirror, look in the mirror. You see, how, did, how what causes and conditions caused this? Well, your mom and your dad and their mom and their dad and their mom and their dad. And so here we are and we're a, we're a living being. We look a certain way. Uh, we talk a certain way. We have a certain kind of intellect and a certain kind of uh, ability to remember or maybe not remember. We have some skills that other people don't have that we just seem to naturally have. There's so many things that are happening. So as my teacher, uh, Trungpa Petre said, who was a, uh, a brilliant uh, sage, he was a Mahasiddha, even though he had some social problems that were uh, difficult uh, in this culture and in any culture. But... But one of the things that he said that I always enjoyed, he says, you, you know, you should meditate, meditate, practice a lot, sit a lot. You, you, you may not attain enlightenment, but at least you won't be a nuisance to everyone. Always like that. So the idea there is uh, if you take some time out of your busy schedule of pushing on this, pulling on that, trying to get this to happen, stop that from happening, try to sell somebody a bill of goods on this or as it goes uh, around, uh, take some time out, sit down, hold still, and just just, just be here. Just be present. Uh, then, uh, then all of the causes and conditions that we're generally fluffing up and pushing and pulling and mixing ourselves up with that are based on most of the world is operating on hope and fear. It's a, it's a wonder we're even here. And if things keep going the way they're going, we won't be. There's crazy people everywhere. And some of them are in charge, as we all know. And But it's not about... It's not about fighting with them. Train your mind. What is happening is much, much bigger than uh, a few thousand volts. It's really big. And, it's, and it's, it's been doing this long before any of us even got here. It was happening in the 18th century. Same kind of insanity and craziness. Go back and read any of that. And you can see that they were fighting and squabbling. They just happened to have a few, uh, what do they call them, the founding fathers. Uh, the founding fathers happened to have a quite a modicum of sanity, you'd say. You know, so they said, well, let's write this document. Maybe this will, it seems to help quite a bit, but then uh, it only helps if people respect it. And that's kind of coming, falling apart. So you shouldn't, we shouldn't take our eyes off that. We should consider that and look at that, but also train your mind. Make sure that you're spending some time uh, sitting down and getting to know yourself on a deep level so that your own personal karma that which is connected to your, your the pores in your skin, to your eyelashes, to your earlobes, to everything. It's all not separate from anything so that you can fundamentally be present. Because there isn't anything but the present. There isn't anything but now. There isn't any, any, anything, anything but this moment. And if you, if you don't see that, then you'll you create a past and a future and you'll navigate around there through regretting the past or imagining the future. Uh, but fundamentally... Uh, needs to be done through awareness. More about that. More about anything. Yes. The past, the present, the, the past, the present, and the future. Um, 
Are they a point of reference for the ego, really? You know, quite a bit. Kind of a merchandising mentality, how to get somewhere, how to keep from going. But it's been happening for since human beings have been here. We're always fighting and arguing over things. I think in primitive cultures, they have have wars, but they're not quite as harmless as our wars. They, they run at each other and kind of laugh and poke each other, and then that's the end of that war. Somebody gets yeah. Somebody gets hurt, and then they stop fighting. They don't want to hurt anybody. Do we have a collective ego? I'm sure. Oh. Yeah. Collective and individual. Thank you. Further questions? Yes, Nishikai. Does production obscure our ability to receive? Yes, and that's that's uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't don't produce anything unless uh, unless it's coming out of causes and conditions that are your karma or whether out of beyond your uh, even your visibility that you're doing things uh, spontaneously or impulsively or uh, or reacting. The whole idea of reacting is a some people even use that word as if it's some kind of valid uh, way to act in a sane way. Well, how does that make you react? Well, you shouldn't be reacting at all. Shouldn't be acting at all. You shouldn't be doing anything. When I say you shouldn't, you know, if you don't understand what I'm saying, then uh, maybe I'm wrong. I probably am wrong in some ways. In a relative way, I probably am saying a lot of things that are maybe incorrect the way the world thinks about things. But to react means that you're here, something happens, and you have some kind of reaction, rather than you're here and something happens and you just watch what happens, and you 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 receive that. You give it your attention. You receive that out of out of your uh, sense of openness and lack of fear, and lack of protecting anything, and lack of advancing anything. And then you see the actual dynamics that are happening there. And then I don't think you would call it necessarily reacting, but you might act. But it wouldn't be a react. It would be acting with that. And that acting with that may be to snuff it out, because you're so clear about what that is. It could be something like. This fire needs to be stopped. It's going to burn everything. But if it comes out of some kind of reaction, then you then your reaction will be coming out of hope that you could put it out, or fear that you can't put it out, and you probably would do a crappy job because you don't because all your senses, all of your understanding, all of your uh, perspiration and perspicacity and all the other p words are not there to actually so you can so you can pee on it, and put it out. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it, it might need to be done, but if it comes out of your awareness, then there's a, a more sane, uplifted, and uh, kind way of approaching any kind of negativity that's coming your way. Go ahead. I have a question about the Tibetan practice of producing a bunch of things. How does that help us receive? Creation completion. <clears throat> so... If you ask a Tibetan Lama, they might have a totally different idea, but I practiced some of that. So, and I was taught that a creation completion practices and practiced several of them. Um, so, looking back over it, I think what it seems to show up as it's uh, the creation completion, in other words, doing a mantra, doing a visualization, visualizing chakras in your body, visualizing mantras rotating around the chakras in your body, visualizing a deity in each one of the chakras, all different colors, all doing, holding different ritual instruments, uh, just one form. 
and doing that and actually doing a mantra and then visualizing yourself as the deity uh, and doing that for a couple of hours and then dissolving all that through a ritual form back into heart center or back into space or however the setup is and then resting in the space that's left. So uh, that's taking what the mind does, what the ego does is to build up stuff and create things and make things. And it, it, uh, you're deliberately um, using that same mechanism that creates a self or creates war and you're, you're giving it something to do. You're giving it a bunch of toys to play with. So, and then when that's done, then you kind of exhaust that and you're doing it in the form of what's called deity yoga. So you're, you're imagining your consciousness as being a deity or being perfected. So this also approaches the, the Sogchen teachings of the great perfection, which their practices are very uh, strongly ritualized in that way. Visualization practices, uh, uh, four foundations are 100,000 prostrations, 100,000 repetitions of the Vajrasattva mantra, 100,000 offerings to the mandala, which takes a long time to do, unless you do it 24-7. And then uh, a million uh, recitations of the Guru Yoga mantra. And you count all of them on a mala. So, and then, but then you do some and then you, then you dis dissolve it and sit in the space. And so, to me, and uh, I think that our lives are complicated enough. And uh, I think that looking at all of that, that's uh, the creation part is happening enough to rather than to go into some kind of creation of an artificial deity. And I think that what we need to do is just sit in the space. But it's, that's just how it looks. It's not necessarily correct. If you can talk to the Dalai Lama, he'd probably say, not exactly. Who's this guy that told you about this? He's <laughs> just a nobody. He lives in Michigan. Where's the cowboy hat? More about that? You, you, you follow me a little bit? So it's just a... It's just a an artificial, uh, it's just an ancient technology for working with the mind. It's like, uh, I'm going to use a, a sample here of, uh, of different ways of working with the mind. This is one that might all recognize, I'm okay, you're okay. You know that one? Yeah. It's just a way of taking what the mind's doing. The other one is uh, the one that Byron Katie does, the four, uh, ask four questions, turn it around. You know, is it true? How can I know that it's true? It's just a way of working with the intellect. So this is a way of working with the mind in terms of its visualization, in terms of its, the manifestation quality of the mind, and turning it in, turning the negative uh, situation that happens with egos, just uh, so ego just is constantly churning up all kinds of things. So we bring that consciousness in and say, okay, you can keep doing it, but it has to be this deity, this mantra, body, speech, mind, body, speech, mind, body, speech, mind. And then, then we dissolve that and sit in the space. Just, just another kind of boot camp. In the presence of someone who is experiencing that kind of pain that you spoke about, that would cause them to hurt themselves, bite themselves, burn themselves, mm -hmm. whatever they do. Um, and we're receiving that. By watching they're, them, or by, really. they're telling us, or yes. evidence of it. What, what kind of production is, is there? A kind of production that can be helpful in that situation? Maybe, 
but it should be done rather than some kind of protocol you're following. It should be done with the situation. And that's, that's more uh, to, to the self-centeredness that doesn't want to be wrong. That's more, feels more risky because you don't have, you don't have the rules to show how to handle that. How to, it's like trying to, how do you handle a suicide? One thing you should do with anybody who is potentially is don't meddle with them. Don't make things worse for them by trying to manipulate them. So in other words, people's confusion needs to be respected. And you could say, I could say, anybody could say, well, yeah, but what if I do that? Then what if they do kill themselves? And I would say, well, they might. It's really on some level, it's none of your business. And on another level, it's totally your business. Not to. And so Advaita, you know about that, Advaita and Advaita, she speaks other languages. Advaita is divided and Advaita is not divided, non-dual. That's the only two words I know from India. (laughs) So, So the idea is to bring your awareness to that with as much receiving going on as possible. That, that's the time to really be on receive. I mean, you've got a person who might hurt themselves or end their life or something, as much reception as possible, but no interrogation. You don't, you don't drag it out of them. You, you're available, you're there. And then, then depending on all the causes and conditions that are invisible, invisible to you and to that other person, you may be able to help them and you may not. You may, you may actually be in a situation where all you do is witness what you can't stop. So the, follow me a little bit? If further questions about it are good. With me, you can drag it out of me. I guess I'm, I may be wanting a practice to do some, I mean, uh, Tom Glenn is, I know, not probably not it, but some, I just don't teach it. I'm not Some saying it's wrong. To, I don't teach it. You know, go ahead. We just remain available and not worry, be anxious for them. So witnessing the worrying is what you need to do and be aware of the worrying, not try to stop the worrying. It's just a misunderstanding of energy that has to do with, with, the un, uh, with an unseen and prematurely validated self-centeredness that thinks it's right, that thinks you need to do something, and you don't. You know, the, the issue there is there isn't anyone. So if that's not seen, if that's seen, then you then you meet people where they're at. And you, if there's any kind of ego showing up, it's probably going to feel you just feel helpless. But you don't abandon them. You don't run away because you don't like feeling helpless. And you also don't fill it up with a bunch of ideas and uh, protocols for what they should be doing. We well, should try this. You should try that. So it would be so different with each person. But respecting a person's confusion is, is the beginning of, it's like, uh, to use a real literal metaphor, it'd be like, a, uh, say, pretty literal, say a doctor doing surgery on somebody without really get, finding out what was wrong. Say, well, let's just cut you open and see if maybe it is your heart. Could be. Might be your heart. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm sure it has. So we cut in there, we find, oh, indigestion. Stitch that up quick. I'm being silly about it, but I'm saying there's those kind of things happen. People are given medications that they, they don't need that they that are more about the person doing the situation than the actual situation that the person's in. And even then the causes and conditions that bring the karma for those three, four, eight, ten people together are untraceable. We, we just 
you know how, how it feels to meet somebody that you've never seen before and you feel like you know them. Sometimes you meet somebody for the first time and you immediately don't like them. No, no reason, you just don't like them. But you might not say that to them. You might you might step into it and try to see how that feels and see, you know, get some kind of understanding of what that's about rather than uh, believe those thoughts and believe that means the person is, you know, putting a hex on you or something. Would it, would it be fairly accurate to say that's another situation where you just, you're holding on to the electrical wire? Because, I mean, I would have all kinds of feelings, there would be all kinds of feelings, that, and naming them or talking about them is not helpful. And mm -hmm. just, you just have to stay rooted in all of that and then see what comes out of it, if anything. So, what I would say, and I say, Probably too much, but train your mind. Find some time to do. Unplug everything. Unplug the food processor mind. Sit down, hold still, and not know. Just be, be uh, as it says it says in uh, Atisha's seven points of mind training. Be a child of illusion. Just just be a child. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being kind of helpless and kind of just not knowing what's happening. Because that's how consciousness is when the objects uh, that arise in the consciousness don't make any sense or are challenging or threatening. So just be there and just receive. Just put everything on receive. Especially if you're with a person that's uh, having difficulty with their life or hurting themselves or doing some kind of thing that doesn't make any sense. It seems dangerous. So you don't want to abandon them. Uh, you can abandon them by giving them advice. You know, we all know that. You have children. You know, protect them. Don't give them too much information about what you think. My children have no idea what I think. They're all doing something else. And they should. They should. Huh? Child of illusion. Yeah. There's 59 other slogans you can go and further confuse yourself with, the, with those slogans. So. And though we, we mentioned uh, Tonglen, I'm not against Tonglen. If people want to do that, I practiced it quite a bit. I don't really teach it because I think it, it it's it's too taking. This is a created by probably by Shanti uh, Deva um, in the what ninth century, and it's a good idea. I think it's a, probably a very good idea for monks and monastics. But I don't know if it's so good for people who who don't meditate as much or don't have a really strong container of discipline around them. Not only. To, the container of being in a monastery, but the container of having monks around them and strong, strong practices that are outside of any kind of a particular conventional society. But, but for us to do that nowadays, when uh, when people have uh, intense uh, uh, difficulty with their emotions and so on, it might not might be a little early, let's say, to do tongan. This is uh, called exchanging yourself for others by following the breath. In breath, you take in all the negativity of the world. Out breath, you send out all the positivity and all the all the success you have in, in taking you have in even taking in the negativity. You give everything away. You get nowhere. Might be a little bit premature to do that. So, and besides, you don't really want to invite a bunch of spirits into your consciousness. <laughs> Are there spirits? I don't have any idea. Don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. Of course there are. Vodka spirits. Yes. 
How is um, apathy different from don't do anything unless you have to? Well, don't do anything unless you have to. You might actually feel uh, the impulse or the need or the, the pull to see a situation and want to do something with it. So, but you don't do it. You don't do anything unless you have to. You have some, you have some patience with it that it hasn't really played itself out yet. Especially if you're operating out of impulse or out of fear. I got to do something about that. I can't just sit around. Like, uh, there's so many things that uh, that that applies to people getting jobs, people getting married, people getting divorced. Don't do anything unless you have to. Wait, give it some time. Actually, look, allow allow the dust to settle a little bit, so you can see, so you can see what what it, the whole situation is. Apathy is more like a, uh, more like the, the situation is irritating or is unsolvable or frustrating or something, and we just get apathetic about it. So it's a form of, uh, of uh, ignorance mixed with uh, uh, some aggression, uh, some passion. It's three poisons are all mixed together there. Like, I don't care about that. I'm not going to concern myself with that. Apathetic. Well, I was just thinking of, of the one of the hearings that occurred in Congress this week, um, where John Stewart was there with uh, a room full of 9/11 uh, first yeah. responders and how many of them are ill, and so, yeah. um, and and he really railed on Congress because I think there were only five people on the committee that were present, and um, it seems to me that that was a form of apathy, perhaps. Um, and it's it's such a big miasma of difficulty. Yeah. Um, that's a really helpless feeling. So, is there anything to be done besides train our minds? There may be, but it, it needs to come out of your karma or your you know, your disposition or your, um, rather than just have it be a reaction. So to go in and, if I, I have reactions in my mind. We all do. But if you if you did any of those, it'd be kind of difficult. So uh, the idea is to see that, look at that, and, and try to understand that. And But as far as the, the causes and conditions that created that situation were happening before this manifestation even got here. This has been going on for a long, long time. Uh, not saying that there weren't times in our culture when things went pretty smooth, but it's like anything smooths out. Even two people in a relationship that doesn't work uh, eventually gets a little better, and then it gets a little worse, and it gets a little better, and then it gets a little worse. I'm sure you've all noticed. Did Nothing lasts. Everything is changing into something else all the time. So the, the, the way they've been disregarded, and it makes it especially hard when these people, uh, sometimes it's put for selflessly, ran into burning buildings and, and inhaled all the smoke and everything, and now they have all kinds of diseases and everything. That's what you're talking about. And yet they can't get medical help for all that. And so, yeah, that's, that's upsetting. So, but, but how do you, you know, do you, uh, you'd have to get somebody to take care of me. <laughs> so you could go there and go in there and yell at the congressman. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm being silly about it. I'm just saying that, that you, not that you can't do something about that, but if, if you're drawn into that, then I would say, uh, you know, go that direction. But 
go slow and try to look at it fundamentally. Uh, this, I mean, I'm not going to mention any political uh, things going on uh, other than to res- try to respond, but there, there are a lot of people who are, because of the negativity, because of the terrible stuff that's happened uh, in the last uh, couple of years, we've got people coming out of the woodwork that are, that are going just against that. And our, and some, of them are, some, of the, some of them are are reactive and some of them are active. When I say active, and they're, they're coming out of their awareness of it. You can, you, can, you can see it. If you listen to anyone, anybody for a while, any one of the candidates, you can see some people are actually coming out of their awareness of what this is. And some people are somewhat coming out of their awareness, but they also have all kinds of sticky things all over it. Some kind of credential thing is going on. with them. And I'm not here to promote anybody particularly. So um, it's just it's very, very complicated. So this is why it seems to be so important uh, to... Um, train your mind. Find out who you are. What I, what I mean is find out what the situation is fundamentally. Any other questions?